Welcome to the Situation Report for October 30th, 2023. It's Lieutenant Colonel Murray. That was a little Cypress Hill. Thanks, JC, for that. It's called When the Shit Goes Down. I think that's very appropriate for right now, which is too funny. I, I haven't I haven't heard that song for so long. <laughs> JC sent it to me over the weekend. I'm so playing that Monday. Wow, what a weekend. So we did the range on Saturday, and... Uh, yeah, had a lot of people show up. It was uh, it was interesting. You know, I haven't done uh, range safety officer for a long time, so I had to get myself back in the groove. <clears throat> and it took us a while to get coordinated with the four of us out there, but it actually turned out. I think uh, I think Troop posted all the the videos in his Telegram channel um, about the drills they ran at the end of the day. And the interesting thing about the uh, the range is that it's the whole point of it was just to give people an opportunity to familiarize themselves with, uh, with weapon. Uh, that's, that's really what it is. And we had a lot of, we had a lot of people show up with brand new weapons, brand new weapons. And I think on Saturday morning alone, I think I, uh, I set up four optics. I think I cleaned four or five ARs. And it's, you know, it's a good exercise to go out and familiarize yourself with what you have. And most people, they'll buy a, they'll buy a firearm over the counter and they know nothing about it. In fact, I, I had, there was six brand new ARs that came out. Six. Never been shot. And it was interesting because, uh, you know, you have you have really three crowds in the in the gun in the gun world. You've got the the noobs that that just bought a you know a firearm for the first time. You have folks that have had firearms for a while, have shot them, have a they have a you know a number of firearms, you know one or four. Usually it comes in groups of four, and then you have the really experienced shooters that are marksmen that are into ballistics they have all the kestrels and everything else to figure out what the ballistics of their um of their rifles are their reloaders you have and we didn't have that crowd we had the crowd of experienced shooters that had their firearms that they came out to to do uh refresh and then we had a bunch of people never shot before that had older weapons that hadn't been fired in a very very long time so one of the you know to save yourself a lot of pain you go through and do all of the you do all of the the pmcs what we call periodic maintenance in the military on all that equipment before you even start the range so i was going through um everything but troop stuff before the before the range started and it's it's interesting how that works out because it, uh, you, you find stuff before you even start shooting. And it saves you time later on the range when AR, because if ARs aren't clean, they're going to jam. If, you know, if the bullets are corroded, you could have misfires. You could have, you know, dud rounds. And we didn't have any of that. 
We didn't have any dud rounds. We didn't have any misfires. We had a lot of, a lot of jammed weapons that didn't have oil in them. We had a lot of new weapons that needed to be broken in. So overall, it was a very, very successful range. And uh, anyway, thanks to Teddy for setting it up. Thanks to Shroop for for running it. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to to meet a bunch of folks from the channel. It's always weird to meet people from the channel because you, you know, they they quote stuff back to you that I've said. And it's funny what people pick up. <laughs> I'll just say that. But uh, overall, it was a good range. And I'm glad we we did it. And um, yesterday and really this morning, my phone uh, blew up from folks on the East Coast. And there's a there's a ton of rumors right now about what's going on in D.C. and what's going on overseas. Here's the signal in all of this. The signal in all of this is what is the enemy going to do next? And they, they, the, so the narrative developed so far has been the axis of evil, Russia, China, Iran, all plotting together to, to destroy the United States. And Netanyahu came out yesterday or today with a speech about the axis of evil. Any of that shit sound familiar to 2001 and or 9-11 and, uh, you know, 2003 and the march to, to Iraq? Same shit. Exact same shit. And every single time I hear it, I hear the same noise that goes along with it. We need to protect our interests in the region. We need to protect Israel. We, we need to protect our allies. That only means one thing. That means the U.S. is going to get involved in whatever conflict that Israel's dragged us into now. And, you know, Troop posted this morning video of kids being brought into the hospital or hurt from artillery fire and falling buildings. And that's the real thing, folks. That's the signal. All the rest of this, this nonsense that's being passed by both sides and both sides are heavily propagandizing the news cycle. You know, so-and-so's so-and-so abductee was beheaded. They found her skull. No evidence of that. The, the, the uh, Hamas is beheading people. No evidence of that either. Israel's dropping bombs on hospitals. No evidence of that. A fire started on the third floor of a hospital that was started by a bomb from, from an aircraft. Okay, that's not plausible. What the signal is, is the number of innocent people that are being killed, maimed, or wounded by this conflict. And the, the, the good thing in all of that signal is now that you're starting to see the narrative shift against Israel. And you're starting to see not just Iran, but the Middle East start to look around and go, okay, who's given these guys weapons? Not just Hamas, but Israel. Where's all the weapons coming from? Who's giving them weapons? How do we get how do we broker a ceasefire? We need to broker a ceasefire. We want we want this to stop. And now you're starting to see anti-Israel protests brewing in every Arab country, but they're also brewing in Europe. And remember when I said the signal in this is going to be who goes off the reservation first. And they're already building the narrative for domestic terror because of Muslim extremists. They they started that narrative last week. They're already building the narrative. And this is how it works. That you build a narrative towards some kind of an event. Remember, I talked about this on 925. They lead you down the path with these narratives until they can do either do a false flag. So they're trying to build a false flag. But the good thing for us right now is that you have a number of people that are coming out vocally saying, we're not supporting a draft. We're not supporting another war. Most people don't support Ukraine. Israel is just as much of an aggressor here as Hamas was. And while the atrocities are terrible, both sides are guilty of atrocities. Both sides are guilty of propaganda. That's the overwhelming narrative that's starting to bubble to the surface, despite their best efforts to convince you that this was another 9-11. Every bit of it will eventually boil over, and this will be the end of Israel. It may not be this year. May not be next year, but Netanyahu's done. And when he's done, the rest of the, the Israeli government's done. And the people that are really at fault here are the leaders across, across the U.S., across Europe, and across the Middle East 
that have allowed this shit to boil to this point. And let's do a history lesson here. Because part of this narrative has been brewing for better part of 20 years. Hamas is not a new organization. Go way back to Yasser Arafat. Most of you don't even know who Yasser Arafat was. He was literally the, the voice and the face of the Palestinian people for almost, almost 25, 30 years. And he was a grifter. He, knew, he was never on the ground in either the West Bank or Gaza. Never. He was in an airplane flying all the time. He would land, get fuel, and he'd go somewhere else. But he was always dependent on somebody else's money to be able to do that, to quote-unquote stay alive. And he literally spent zero time on the ground, but he was the voice of the Palestinian people. You're starting to see how this works. Then comes Hamas. They weren't voted on. They weren't, they weren't approved by the Palestinian people, but they took over. They were anointed, probably by the CIA and probably by Mossad, and put and installed in power. And for the last 30 years, the only thing they have done is bred more terrorists. That's all they've done. They've created martyrs. They've, they've, they've paid suicide bombers. You name it. They've done the full gamut of the terror spectrum against Israel, which is where the walls came from, which is where all of the, all of the, um, yeah, uh, saying, was just saying the Palestinian Liberation Organization. Most people don't even know what the PLO is anymore. It doesn't exist. Now it's Hamas. But the point is, for the last 20 years, 30 years, they've been creating nothing but terrorists. And the Israelis have fed into that. You know, they, they do, they do um, shoot to maim like they'll shoot somebody's dick off. They do that shit and laugh about it. Or they'll kill somebody that gets too close to the wall or somebody that's, that's violating one of their, you know, whatever their rules are for the, for the area. And so every time they kill somebody, they create another terrorist. And it's a, it's a vicious cycle that at some point was going to boil to the surface. And over the last three years, we've had a very hostile, um, let's just say, body and the regime that's hostile to Israel. So they've created the perfect storm. And because they've created the perfect storm and Israel's fed into it, I mean, they lost, they lost the information war on day two. When they when the hospital was bombed, game over. Information were if information were over. Didn't matter who dropped the bomb or fired, fired the missile. Doesn't matter now. What matters is Israel took the blame. And once they took the blame, game over. The entire Arab world united against them. It's just a matter of time before either Hezbollah or Iran or another militia kicks off combat operations against the Israelis in the north. And then it's game on. And we'll be committed through aircraft. Now, they're already going after our bases. They're already, they're already firing drones at our bases. So we have bases in Syria. We have bases in uh, western Iraq. And it's just a matter of time. So we're now we're moving all of these, these critical assets into the Mediterranean. And, you know... I think uh, Colonel Conrad said the best, right? Knife fight in a, in a phone booth. It's exactly what it is. And, and they're going to play pachinko with missiles and hit some ships. And for the first time since World War II, you're going to see real casualties, real American casualties. And this is not going to be, this is not going to be a sideshow. It's going to be a real thing. And it's because the, the people in D.C. are convinced that we can fight a two-front war. And a head-to-head -head confrontation with the Russians. I literally heard that this morning. And it made me pause because the, the guy that was telling me, is he's still in the system, knows the shit, and is dialed in. And he said, the rhetoric I'm hearing is scaring the shit out of me. And I, I, you know, I said, well, give me some more information. He's like, imagine the dumbest people on the planet in charge of the most sophisticated equipment. And they're saying, we can take out the entire... Eastern seaboard with just this one weapon, which is not even real. And that's what they're saying. And you're seeing this march to war for no other reason than to distract the public away from the Biden crimes that have now been linked directly to Biden for taking money directly from China.
That's all this is about. And there's a bunch of, I had a bunch of comments from my interview with Matt Bracken um, on Friday. And one of those comments is, you know, don't you listen to, to Cliff High? Don't you listen to Dick Algier? No. No, I don't. All that woo bullshit. I don't even know what that shit is. And I don't care. He's, it's a predictive model. Sometimes he's right. Sometimes he's wrong. And Dick Algier is a, he's a, what is he? Uh, what do they call that? Uh, he's in the future forecast something group. And he does remote viewing. Okay, that's like reading tea leaves. Sorry. I'm not putting stock in that. I'm reading what I see on the ground. And what I see on the ground right now is strategic movements into the Mediterranean of significant forces, as well as we have forces in Poland. Don't forget, we have three to four divisions in Poland right now. Divisions, not brigades, divisions that we've moved over there and have been sitting there since 2022. That's a significant amount of force projection overseas right now, which should make all of you wonder, what do we have here? What's left in the states? How many battle groups, carrier battle groups, do we have to protect CONUS? That's the signal. All that other nonsense about what we can fight and what we can't fight, you're about to find out what that looks like. And then the other part of this is no Juno, Cliff is not controlled opposition. Cliff has got his own predictive model that he uses. And some people sign up for it, some people don't. I, I don't sign up for the woo shit. I don't, uh, you know, yeah. Uh, uh, I had somebody try and explain it to me. And I'm like, that that's a bunch of nonsense. <clears throat> so look. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the draft ball because you're seeing more and more of these videos. Okay, first of all, there's there's that was the other rumor I was going to talk about today was the draft. There's this rumor that there's going to be a draft. They haven't signed anything. They haven't even that no one in DC has uttered the word draft. Do you know why? Because they know that they can't they can't everybody will run to Canada. As fucked up as Canada is, they will run to Canada. They know they can't do a draft. So, here comes 15 million illegal military age males. And if you promise them citizenship, if they do two years or three years in the military, guess what? You'll get some of them. You're not going to get all of them because they brought them here with free shit. So they're not going to get them all, but they'll get some of them. And I guarantee you they'll lower the recruiting standards. So you're going to have entire battalions that don't speak a word of English. Think about that. So the other the other side of this, too, is, you know, I listened to some of the snowflakes. A bunch of people sent me some of those TikTok videos. And I'll just say this. You hear the same thing in every single one of those videos by the zillennials or millennials or whatever the fuck they're calling themselves now. It's all the same entitlement. I don't need to go serve my country because I'm entitled to decide if I want to or not. Uh, okay. Let me tell you what happens to them. They end up in full mop gear in a laundry room with the dryers turned on to full tilt and the washers turned on to hot, full tilt so it's steamy and hot in there. And they make them do gorilla stomps until they fucking pass out. And trust me, there was one of this gal that was saying, you're not going to order me around. I, I would make her PT until she pukes all over herself. Uh, and she will learn good order and discipline the hard way. And I guarantee you that they will bring pre- uh, pre-2012, 2011 drill instructors back to beat the shit out of these people. I guarantee that. All these snowflakes that they pick somebody else. I don't want to go. I just don't want to fight. Good luck with that. Yeah. So, I, but I don't think there's going to be a draft. There's just no point. It's, it's dumb. And you can't look at it as they issue the order and they just start calling people. You have to, they have to brief the public, meaning they have to create the narrative. We need a draft. Then they have to pass the legislation. Then they have to start to build the receiving areas for all these people. Then they have to build the system in which they're going to select people for the draft. And then they have to select people for the draft. And they have to go train those people and equip those people and move those people. 
None of that shit takes less than one year. Two years, two years at a minimum. When they started the draft in the 60s for Vietnam, it took them almost two years to get their shit together to get people through basic training. It's not a zero-sum deal. It takes a lot of inertia to do that and a lot of logistics. And then the other part of that is they're not going to declare war. We haven't declared war since World War II. And there has to be a declaration of war in order for the country to initiate a draft anyway. It's based on a wartime need. So that's that's the other reason it's not going to happen. But they haven't even started messaging the public that they need a draft. None of that none of that crap is going to even remotely happen in the near future. But what is going to happen in the near future is that we're going to see US forces killed overseas. And I'm 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 literally hoping that their plans are continually disrupted and that they are continually on their heels like they have been for the last 2 months so that they make a monumental mistake and they can't commit U.S. forces. And I think Israel will make that mistake in Gaza based on their gains so far. And when they do, that moment, that that midway moment I'm talking about is going to occur. And when it does, the, the, the momentum will shift in the other direction and they won't have a chance. That's what I'm hoping for, the law of unintended consequences, because it will show up. And the other the other piece to consider is that no matter which side of the fence you're on, pro-Palestinian, pro-Israel, pro doesn't matter. What matters is the innocent people on the ground being killed has to stop. And it has to stop right now. Because that is the piece that I think will galvanize the remainder of the population. There's a, there's a big portion of the population outside in the Middle East that's still on the fence about this. Like most of Asia doesn't even care right now, but they will care. And the more of those videos that come out about kids being hurt or women and children being hurt, you're going to see public opinion across the planet sway the other way. And they need public opinion in order to pull off these narratives. You can't do any of these activities without public support. It's critical not only to their to their messaging, but it's critical to their overall strategy. Public support and fear helps drive them. I mean, look at what they look at the bullshit they spun after 9-11. First of all, 9-11 was done by Mossad. And more and more evidence is coming out every day about that. And I, I absolutely believe that that is true. And they spun the weapons of mass destruction nonsense. And even back in 2002, when, when we were doing the planning for it, I remember saying to a bunch of general officers, this is all horse shit. We blew this shit up in 91. He, Hussein doesn't have shit. He hasn't reconstituted shit. Not one thing he has is functional. But yet we're gonna go. We're gonna go own a country that we don't have the forces to occupy. And literally, Tommy Franks looked over and went, "Yep." That's you're hearing the same thing. This is the exact same narrative. They want to spin this narrative that Hezbollah and Hamas are going to destroy Israel, and it's a 9/11 moment. That's all nonsense. I mean, that's they're going to do that. Israel's already done that to themselves. The way that they have managed this information war is by far the worst information operation campaign I've ever seen in my career. And whoever is running it needs to be knelt down and shot for treason. Because they, first of all, everybody saw through the first day where Hamas roamed the streets for seven hours. They have, they have, they have Apache helicopters on strip alert that can launch within five minutes. And you're telling me that these guys were roaming around neighborhoods for seven fucking hours? Everybody in, in former Israeli, um, both military and intelligence, would get the fuck out of here. That's bullshit. So from day one, their narrative was being picked apart. And now they've done it to themselves. And the information war is the most important aspect of everything going on right now. 
you want to focus on the kinetic, but the kinetic is not the fight. The fight is to sway the population to accept the control measures that they want to push down on us. And they want to push those control measures down through fear. And they want to create fear through all of these different warmongering acts. It's the same script they played in 2001. It's the exact same shit. A different dress on a different ugly woman. And they're not selling it this time. And because they're not selling it, you're seeing more and more people come out of the woodwork and say, all right, the shit needs to stop. Ultimately, that's where they're going to fail because they've, they've galvanized the public in the other way. And then that brings me to the next point. <clears throat> so over the weekend, I saw somebody sent this to me. And uh, the caption was, when I, when I got it, was, sounds like some deja vu, Colonel. Sounds like somebody's using your talking points. And literally, I click on a video, and there's a video of Mike Flynn talking about how all of these D.C., um, the D.C. elite and the D.C. politicians and the body politique are all compromised by child, by uh, child porn, pedophilia, you name it. I'm like, wow, there's an echo in here. It's a couple of years late. Even the, even the pundits that have been around for two years talking about election reform, talking about the stolen elections, they're all changing their narrative now. And what that tells me is that even the controlled opposition was not landing with the public, which means they're changing their narrative now. And you're going to see some people thrown under the bus. I, I talked about disclosures. Those disclosures started happening in May and they haven't stopped. And the Obama disclosures keep coming out. The Biden disclosures keep coming out. And you know who's coming out next? The fucking Clintons. And those two motherfuckers, I hope they are thrown under the bus. I want to see somebody, and I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. I want to see somebody release the doomsday tapes on those two pricks. And I want to see them literally stand in front of the public and get just booed off stage. And then I want to see them both go to prison stripped of their wealth. That's what I want to see. I want to see both of those fuckers stripped of their wealth and rot in prison. And on display for the American people to watch them wither away with no power, no control, and no money, eating eating fucking dog food or cat food in some shithole federal pound-me-in-the-ass prison. I want to see that today. And they're next. That's, that's going to be the byproduct of the narrative that's developing now. And the narrative that's developing now is that everybody in D.C. is compromised by, by pedophilia which I, I figured we would hear this early this year when we had all the smell tapes and the sniff tapes about Biden. I figured that would trickle down, especially after they confirmed that the diary is real. But now I think there's going to be some other kind of disclosure because it sure sounds like they're setting up for a major disclosure because that statement alone, that most of our D.C. politicians are compromised by, by China, or sorry, by pedophilia, that's going to be significant. The next question you have to ask that goes along with that is who is compromising them? And if it's A, the CIA, that's fucking treason. And if it's B, Mossad, which is widely believed that Epstein was funded by Mossad, that is an act of war. You start to see the bigger picture here? They're setting conditions to throw Israel under the bus. They're setting conditions to throw the politicians under the bus. They're setting conditions to throw specific people in the D.C. elite under the bus. That's significant because it's a massive change of dialogue and it's a massive change of narrative. And any way you cut it, that means that what's over the horizon is going to make people desperate. And when people are desperate, they'll do anything. And we're about to see that too. And what I, what I, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, I would say that you're going to see some disclosures that implicate very specific people for very specific crimes. But the good thing about the community that's awake right now is they're going to do the cursory research and link it all back to Epstein and link it all back to the, to the, the flight manifests. And this is why they wanted to keep it secret folks. They wanted to obfuscate 
the flight record the flight records as well as the manifests for all those flights because if you link one person in dc to epstein and go look at that manifest there's 10 other people that are that are well-known names that are on that manifest alan dershowitz is one of them and virginia guthrie didn't was not able to uh, she had to repull she either had to retract her case or pay him money. I can't remember which one it was. But Dershowitz got out from under it. But that motherfucker's in the manifest several times. And when you start doing all of that, and again, when you start doing all the tentacles of this, you're going to see a lot of people implicated in this, and that's going to start, start hitting the news. But the most significant thing that hit the news today was that, and it actually didn't hit the news today, it hit the news on Saturday, which was, a, this is a yet another significant narrative change that the FBI had over 40 informants in the Biden inner circle for 15 years, and they did nothing about it. So all in one moment, Chuck Grassley outed the entire FBI as a protection racket. We all knew that. All of us knew that years ago. But the general public is now starting to hear for the first time that not only is the DOJ completely compromised with communists and and um, agitators and people that are basically criminals running protection rackets, basically the mob, but the FBI is too. And then guess who they're going to, they're going to out next the CIA. Cause if you think the FBI is bad, the fucking CIA makes them look like boy scouts. And I guarantee you that there's something coming out about the CIA. I was hoping it would be the location of the alien bodies under the building and in Langley, but you know, we can only hope for so much at, at one time. The The point I'm trying to make, folks, is we're seeing a lot of concurrent lines of operation happening all at the same time right now. We're seeing the narrative of the axis of evil, which isn't working. We're seeing the narrative of this two-front, three-front three war, which isn't working. We're seeing the end of Ukraine developing because Zelensky was, you know, pseudo on the cover of time magazine today saying he's trying to keep people motivated to support his fight against russia eg i know i'm going to be a pink mist that's developing that the the narrative now that the fbi doj and soon to be dhs and cia are all compromised assets that is a narrative that could be taken in four or five different directions. But the one that I think they want to take that into is we need the military to step in. And if that's true, then that will give the Q people a bunch of things to cheer about. But here's the thing I want to warn everybody about. Just because they say it, just because they put it in the public space, does not mean it's going to be actioned by anybody because the military is compromised too. And remember, our enemy will use any narrative, any distraction to emotionally distract you away from what's going on. And they're doing things in the background, even right now, with all of this going on. And they will, if they get desperate enough, they have nothing to lose. So they're also building this narrative of nuclear nuclear war. And this is the most dangerous avenue that this could go down. So again, there's the most likely course of action that your enemy is going to take and then the most dangerous. And the most dangerous course of action is some kind of a nuclear exchange. And then today, the U.S. just announced that we have this high-speed, low-drag Mach Turbo, super stealthy line of sight, you know, GBU, you know, 6,000, 2,001, Nimbus 3,000 high speed, never before seen nuclear weapon. It's all noise. Nobody wants to nuke anybody, but they're developing that narrative as a fallback. And that is, that's the part that they're going to use to drive fear into the entire population. I can tell you that Russia doesn't want to use nukes. China doesn't want to use nukes. Not even Israel wants to nu use nukes. You know why? You drop a fucking tactical, tactical nuclear weapon or you drop an ICBM, a real warhead, like a Mark 12A, the fallout's going to hit you too. All that damage is going to hit you. 
you could be outside the blast wave, but as soon as that radiation hits the wind currents, it's going to kill a bunch of other people too. And then there's the lingering effects of the radiation that's in the environment. Nobody wants that. The Russians know what that looks like. So do the Chinese. It's just a way to start another arms race. It's just a way to start another Cold War. You see how the game's played? The most likely course of action is disclosures to discredit these people and force them to retire. And those disclosures will drive other things to happen at the national level. But the the interesting part about it is, and this is where people get tripped up, you listen to those narratives and you think, wow, they're really going to do something. They're going to bring the military in. All they have to do to deal with the FBI, to deal with the DOJ, to deal with the CIA is defund them. If you defund them, you can't pay people. If you can't pay people, they don't go to work. And if they don't go to work, you don't have an FBI. You see how the game's played? They're trying to bait you into believing that something bigger is happening in the background. But really, all it is, is it's just more emotional narratives to keep you tied up in their theater. It's just theater. The signal is what's going on on the ground over there, especially on the ground in Gaza. Because those those videos and those images that come out of there, even if it's five seconds of children being killed, will galvanize a whole fucking planet. And at some point, there will be a tectonic shift in public opinion, and you'll have millions of people marching into into, uh, Israel. We're not that far away from it. And I would love to sit here and say that the White Hats are stepping in and Trump's coming back. It's all horseshit. There's no evidence of any of that going on. Trump's going to court trying to stay out of jail because, and and this... uh, This is exactly what I said, too, a week ago about Sidney Powell. When all of the the election and the election lawsuits were going on in 2020 prior to January 6th, every single fucking person that was in the Trump orbit in the legal part of this was taking donations from U.S. citizens and, and ingesting money, donations, to help these legal funds. And almost all of them, got tripped up because of those illegal donations. Some of them were illegal donations. Some of them were, they used those those uh, those donations for things other than their nonprofits and their 503Cs that they set up for these legal funds. And that's what the, that's what they used to go after them all. That's what Jenna Ellis, she, she copped to a donation felony of misusing funds for a nonprofit. That's what got her tripped up. And then they got her to flip on Trump. And why that's significant is that the public perception is, is that Jenna Ellis flipped on Trump because Trump did something wrong. When really, just like Sidney Powell, they were all taking the money. They were all basking in in the 15 minutes of glory, and none of them were paying attention to the books. And that was the rift between Patrick Byrne and Sidney Powell and Mike Flynn was that she was doing nonprofit work and and Patrick Byrne said, I'm not touching this. She asked him to come in on that nonprofit and he went and talked to her and said, no way, I'm out. And that's where the rift started. And she got burned over it. She burned herself over it. And so did Jen Ellis. And the next one that will get burned over it is probably Giuliani. And why that's significant is that they're building a case based on all of these coercive tactics to get Trump off the ballot. That's what the end game is. And all of that, all of that is, is noise. All of it's noise. Because we aren't making it to 2024. It's just more emotional distraction to keep you wrapped up in whatever they're doing in the background or, you know, whatever they're trying to distract you away from. And right now they're trying to distract the entire planet away from the fact that Biden committed treason by taking direct payments from China. The game is the game is the same. Emotional, 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 emotional. Show all these 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 you know these these images of people being you know hurt, maimed, or whatever. And a lot of these images that you're seeing, especially out of out of Israel, they could be from 10, 20 years ago. You don't know when the fuck these were shot. And then there's the whole TikTok crowd, and the TikTok crowd, you know, 
that is by definition a psyop in and of itself because you have the you have the the millennials that that are wrapped up in whatever they see there as gospel and then you have the other side of the crowd that just posts you know nothing but stupidity you know i'm talking about the dipshits that are eating tide pods drinking gasoline shit like that there's there's nothing off of tiktok that has a timestamp on it that you can use to actually correlate it to anything. And most of it's nonsense. And, and Troop went after the dipshits that post themselves side by side with another video and they're pointing to shit. Like you had no value whatsoever. You're just a retard. So my point of saying that is that you're going to see more of that emotionally inflammatory messaging across all of social media by both Hamas and Israel and the United States and they're keeping you distracted away from bigger picture. Number one, strategic oil reserve is almost gone. Number two, if we actually have a shooting war, Biden's not capable of running the show. Number three, Biden committed treason. Number four, most important, we have all these military age males in the country. We have to do something with them. So if we put them in uniform, guess what? We've just put thousands and thousands of people that aren't loyal to the Constitution in the uniform. And just because they swear an oath doesn't mean they're going to be loyal to the United States. And most of them don't speak English. But the true quintessential goal of all of this, in my mind, is to justify leveling Gaza and moving the Palestinians out of Gaza to the U.S. and to the West Bank. And from what I understand, that's already occurring. And I'm still trying to run down exactly how they're doing it. But I've heard from several people now that there's military flights leaving Israel with Palestinians on, Palestinians on it going to all parts of the U.S. And then there's the other piece of this, which is coming out now. And I was wondering where it was going to come out. And that is the information about being children being moved in the middle of the night by DHS or some other component of the US government, and there's no record of where they're going, and it's five to 10,000 kids a week. And now you're seeing more and more articles come out about it. So the next, and again, this all rolls into the Epstein disclosures, it all rolls into the information that, that I think that Flynn is coming out with and the narrative he's building, which is some of this is being probably orchestrated by some of the folks in DC that are running the child trafficking rings. And I think they're setting up for a major disclosure there. I don't know. I, I mean, I could be completely reading the tea leaves wrong, but I think there is um, there is something brewing for disclosure in D.C. that's going to shock a lot of people. And I think it's going to be true when it's published with evidence. So, and and by the way, Blue Cat, I uh, I listen to McGregor all the time. I get his stuff every day. I get probably two or three of his. He does two or three interviews a day, and I hear him all the time. And the uh, the one thing that Doug McGregor is saying that I firmly agree with is that nobody's minding the store in D.C. and that these people tr truly do not understand that they've created the perfect storm against this country. Now. Let me say this before everybody starts to go down the doom and gloom, doom and gloom path, because that's the other thing that I got this weekend. We're screwed, man. We're screwed. These people are here forever. This is not the first time we've had a mass migration of people into the U.S. How do you think Ellis Island came into existence and the history around Ellis Island? It just didn't happen overnight. It, the same thing is happening right now. But here's the difference. The difference is the people in charge don't have a vision for the future. They can't describe in words what they want their end state to be. And that in and of itself is why they will fail. It doesn't mean it's not going to suck for us for a while. But what is going to come out of this and what we're on the cusp of right now, we're on the cusp of a lasting and real peace across the planet. We're on the cusp of not just real freedom, but real freedom for everybody across this planet. Because once the first domino falls, whether that's Canada, whether that's the EU, or whether that's the US, once the first domino falls, they all fall. And when they fall, 
guys like Maduro and Luna and Xi, they all fall too. Because the one thing that most people want more than anything else right now is they want to be able to live their life, not be fucked with, and be able to enjoy their families and take care of their families and put food on the table. Universally across this planet, everybody wants the same thing. And that's the that's the piece that most people have taken for granted. It's now starting to come home to roost because other cultures are starting to realize that we all want the same thing. And it's a very, very powerful message when you see other cultures banding together. But where the power is going to come in this is when you see Jew and Palestinians standing side by side saying, we've had enough. And that day is coming. And that will drive the first domino into the ground. And once it falls, the rest of them fall. And part of this, and I've talked about this before, this is why visualization and projection is so important. We all need to start projecting what kind of world we want to live in. And we all need to start, you know, really thinking about how do we want this country to look when this is all said and done? Because at the end of this, if we have a clear vision of what we want the country to look like, we're going to be able to steer other people in the right direction and get consensus. And it's it's not going to be that hard to do. And look, you're going to give up a lot of things when this is over. We're not going to have 7 million choices of SpaghettiOs at the store. We're not going to have, you know, 3,000 different kinds of fucking bananas at the store. But we are going to have healthier food. We are going to have, you know, to reconstitute soil in this country and redo and really relearn how to grow food with mineral content and soil conservation. We're going to have to relearn. We're going to have to relearn that as well as industrialization, because we're going to have to bring some of our manufacturing home. All that has to happen on our watch. But imagine the power of a of a united a united country and a united humanity across the entire planet for the same goal. You're going to see things in your lifetime that you never you never thought possible, and it will break the glass ceiling that they have sold to you for generations. And that glass ceiling is, if you don't have any resources in your country, your country's poor. That's a fucking construct of the bankers. You can put manufacturing in countries like uh, Ecuador or or uh, Paraguay or Uruguay. Both, both have resources, but they don't have a lot of resources. And there's a number of African countries that are in the same boat. You can put manufacturing down there and move things move, you know, um, raw, raw materials there and have those produced there. You can also create different forms of transportation and you can create different tourist zones. There's so many different things you could do. But we spent the last hundred years focused on doing nothing other than blowing things up. So we have to, re the, the world's relearning now that everything we've been told by the elite in Europe and the elite in the U.S. was a complete fucking lie. All of it right down to how the money's created is a lie and it's all coming home to roost and once it does you're going to see the world change in a way you probably never thought it was possible and i'm already starting to see it that's the that's the part that i'm that i'm trying to reach to is that every day i hear from people that are telling me that things are changing in their country in ways they hadn't thought possible and a lot of it is just that the old paradigms are starting to break down. Some of that's technology. Some of that's a cultural shift. Some of that's pe is people raising their awareness to what's ar around them. And that to me is a win. And that to me is where we need to be. You know, I said before, the most powerful tool in our arsenal is empathy. And I mean that because it is. If we spent one nanosecond celebrating the differences in cultural aspects between cultures across this planet, instead of criticizing, this would be a different planet. And that's what you're starting to see happen right now. Because the one thing that this 
Israeli-Arab conflict has shown the world is that it's not the people of the country that are fighting. It's the leadership. And the leadership doesn't represent the people that they're supposed to be leading. That is a massive tectonic shift from where we were, even at the start of the Gulf War. When we started Operation Iraqi Freedom, the world was, Saddam's bad, we got to go into Iraq. But after four years and watching so many Iraqis get killed and Americans come back and there was no progress on the ground, it was just a stalemate. And it was designed to be a stalemate. You know, the only guy that made money off of the Iraq war was Dick Cheney. He was literally the only guy that made money off the entire fucking war. That's called war profiteering. We used to shoot people for that. People have gotten wise to the game. And because people have gotten wise to the game, guess what? They're not going to go along with it anymore. And you'll see more and more mass noncompliance. But wait for that moment when, when Israeli and Palestinian are side by side saying, we've had enough. That, ladies and gentlemen, will be the shift. That's the signal that you're looking for. All this other, all these other narratives, all the stuff they're brewing, it hasn't come to fruition yet. And and Troop and I were talking earlier, and he was saying that we're seeing all these VIP movements, and we're trying to get, we're trying to get uh, confirmation of VIP, VIP movements. I think there's several things going on all at once. But the bottom line for me is that shows me those movements, those VIPs moving around, shows me that they don't have this thing fucking baked yet. And they're trying to they're trying to hedge their bets because they don't know which way this is going to go. And that also tells me that we got them on their fucking heels and we need to keep them on their heels. You know, Pat, the, the famous patent speech at the start of uh, the movie, which, by the way, he never made that speech. And. If you don't know anything about George Patton, you should read the Patton letters because it, it really does a really good job of outlining and giving you some, giving you a look into George Patton, a look into how he operated, a look into his life, and you will see a drastically different character. But that speech at the start of the movie is a conglomeration of a number of speeches. But he believed firmly that once you make contact with the enemy, you keep the initiative and you push the enemy no matter what the cost of your own forces. So you exhaust the enemy on the other side. And he was right. He was absolutely fucking right. Because when he pushed into Bastogne and moved out of a meeting engagement, he left one exhausted part of the German army and moved up to another exhausted part of the German army and decimated them and moved into Bastogne. That's what we're seeing. We need to keep them moving. We need to keep them pivoting. We need to keep them adjusting. We need to keep them on their fucking heels until they fucking collapse. That's what we need to do. And the other part that, that people need to realize is that we have the moral higher, higher ground right now. And we're not giving it back. We took the, we took the cultural narrative back in 2019. We aren't fucking giving it back. And they know it. And they're desperate to get the cultural narrative back. And you're watching all the legacy media stations slowly shrivel up and die because their viewership's slowly diminishing almost daily now. So we are going to win this fight. Let me say it again. We are going to win this fight. The way we win this fight is together. Mass noncompliance, working together, check your fucking ego at the door, and work together. That's the only way we're going to get through this. And is it going to suck? Yes, it is. Will it suck for a long time? Probably not. But it is going to suck. And believe it or not, our country needs to go through this because there's a lot of snowflakes that need a wake-up call. A lot of them. And the reason why empathy is so important is because we need to maintain our humanity all the way through this. And we need to remind each other of our humanity. And I'm reminded of that every day because I'm with somebody who has a mountain of humanity. And the woman doesn't have a mean bone in her body. 
and and it's you know there's times where I, I you know I look at her and I say you're in for a rude awakening but then there's other times like this weekend where I was like I'm really glad that you can remind me of what humanity looks like we should all be so fortunate but we need a guidepost in our community to keep us grounded in humanity because it's going to be very easy when you see atrocities happen to want some payback i can tell you i know exactly what that looks like but that's not how we win we win by calling out the atrocities we win by not committing the atrocities and we win by grinding them down to where they can't fight anymore and you don't have to fire a bullet to do that. And that brings me to my last point today. Over the weekend during the range, I met a bunch of people. And <clears throat> some of them were very interesting. Some of them weren't. And that's not a slam. I'm just saying that you meet a variety of people when you do when you do things like this. And one of the things that I've, I've consistently heard for the last two years is, sir, when are we going to kick doors? When are we going to start shooting people? And I didn't hear any of that this weekend. I heard a bunch of people telling me, I'm worried about my family. I'm scared for the safety of my family. What do I do? How do I increase my sphere of influence? I heard that all day on Saturday from literally to the person I heard that. And that's a, that is a, a very positive shift because people have finally started to realize that kicking doors is not going to solve this problem. And most people don't even know who the fucking enemy is anyway, which was the part that got under my skin from the very start of this. Like, sir, what are your orders? You don't even know who the fucking enemy is. What are you asking me for orders for? I don't even know who the enemy is. I don't even know who the white hats are, for fuck's sake. Why are you worried about that? Go get prepared for the worst thing and protect your family and then get involved in your community and start meeting people. Put yourself out there to different events that you normally wouldn't go to and start building relationships with people because that's what's going to matter when all this stuff, when you know, everything stops. Because what happens when the first bullet goes downrange? Everything stops. Full fucking stop. No more Starbucks. No more fucking lattes. No more Jack in the Box. No more pizzas. Full fucking stop. Do you want that in your neighborhood? Because if you do, I want you to go out to YouTube and do a search for Aleppo and go look at what fucking Aleppo looks like after two to five years of war. There's no Starbucks there. It's just death. We don't want that here. What we want is a reminder of who we are. Think about that. Who are we? What are we about? What is our culture about? What is this country built on? What were our founding ethos? What were our founding principles? What guided us for 175 years before all of these pedophiles took over? Those are the questions you have to ask. Because as Americans, we were built on a Judeo-Christian work ethic. We were built on the principles of Christianity and the separation of church and state, not the elimination of church, the separation of church and state. And we were built on the ethos that we do things from a moral standpoint and from a moral compass as a nation, not the flavor of the week. That's who we are. That's what we have to get back to. That's who we have to remind each other we are. And when World War II started, it was small communities that fought the war. And they did it together, both overseas and at home. And we have to do the same thing. And we have to do the same thing united. Unity is the hill we die on. And if we don't start acting like that, we don't start operating like that. We've already lost. Focus on that this, for the next couple of weeks. 
get out of the news cycle, get out of the doom and gloom, get out of the horror show that there's our government, because our government is crumbling before your eyes. The old system is dead. They are just now starting to realize in D.C. that the old system is dead. And like I said, when the first domino falls, the rest are going to fall with it. We have to be ready to pick up the pieces and move forward. Did you hear kinetic in any of that? No. But we have to be willing to stand and defend our neighborhoods and defend our families. That's the challenge before us. And then once we reestablish structure and good order and discipline, then we hunt down every fucking pedophile on this planet and we get rid of them. And we end the abuse of children once and for all. And we do it with extreme prejudice. That has to end on our watch. And people cannot look away. They have to see what these people have been doing for generations. That has to end. And it has to end now. I want you to ask yourself, five to 10,000 kids a week are being moved to all parts unknown. There's 52 weeks in a year. Do some basic fucking math. That's a hell of a lot of children. What are they doing with all these kids? So you're going to see a really unique change in our society when this is all done. And we're going to have to really take a hard look at how we got here. Because if we don't, we will allow this to happen again. That's why it's not important at all to focus on the kinetic. Familiarize yourself with a firearm. Learn how to use your firearm. Be prepared to use your firearm. But that's the absolute last resort. We can do everything we need to do and accomplish all of our means through non-compliance. So get that door-kicking nonsense out of your head. They're counting on us. They're banking on us, turning against one another, either over religious, over political, over sexual, or over food. Don't get sucked into that. Focus on the big picture. The big picture is united. We own them. Thoughts for the day. And the reason why I talked about this today was for one very simple fact. With all the movements going on right now, you can expect some kind of a major move in the next couple of days. We're, we're days away, folks. So be prepared, get prepared, and start beating people. Don't stop, start. I haven't even checked the comments. So let me make one last check of the comments here before I call it a day. I don't see any questions out there. It looks like you guys have been talking about the range. Of course, troops active. Uh, Josie Wales is active. Juno's active. I don't see any questions. Well, you guys are like having a sidebar conversation without me. I'll, next time, I'll just turn on music, let you guys talk. We'll just do. We'll just do an hour of chat. Don't succumb to fear. Don't get wrapped up in the emotional narratives. Focus on your family. Focus on preparing. You, you could reach me. I'm at BSG75 on Gab. I'm at Lieutenant Colonel Stephen Murray on Apple Podcast. I'm on um, Spotify. I'm on Amazon. I'm on uh, True Social. All Lieutenant Colonel Stephen Murray, and you can find me in Telegram in the same name. Until Wednesday, folks, keep your head on a swivel, be situationally aware, and be prepared. God bless. One team, one fight. Good night, everyone.